Hello, and welcome to the Dad and Sons podcast. Today, we have Liam. Hello there. And George. Yo. And, and me. George. Me. Ed. Hi, me. <laughs> hi. Hi, me, too. You're both, you're both looking pretty sus. Are, are we? I have, yeah. like... I have like hard lighting right now, so like one side of my uh, face is like extremely pretty dark. Pretty sus. You're in the dark. Have you turned the lights off? Are you trying <laughs> to kill George? Are you? I, I mean, I'm kind of like greasy and, and overexposed. So, yeah, you're uh, definitely not the imposter. I, but I'm still as as sus as normal. Oh, <laughs> did no. you say sus or sus? Sus. What what are the kids What are the kids doing? Sus. Sus. Would you say sus for suspicious or sus? Suspicious. But when you say sus. suspicious, that first syllable is is more of a sus. Yeah, sus- so, suspicious. Yeah, okay, so that's why I'm okay. saying sus. Suspicious, sus. You're pretty sus. We're even questioning. No, what? what? You're pretty sus. In fact, it's it's quite it's quite funny. We're saying sus over and over again because in in Welsh, sus means kiss. So you can that's give like me you can give me a sus. <laughs> you can give me a sus anytime. Has uh all the groups you've been playing. Um, have been good or sus in in Among Us? <laughs> like how I will admit, because because it, it's very easy to have a shitty group. It so, is very yeah, easy, yeah, yeah, and it's very easy to have too low a number for the game to be good. Yeah. So for those who don't know, we're talking about Among Us, the 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 latest hype craze, the um, hot um, new all, shit. The hot all new the kids shit. are talking about it everywhere you go. You just you just run into Among Us memes, sus people. Mm-hmm. And it's it's taking over. It's it's uh, the the hottest, biggest craze since uh, advice animals. The the reviews are are smashing out through the roof. And uh, not really though, because did you guys know that game came out two years ago? Yes, that's kind of the whole story about Among Us. Indeed, that's pretty 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 darn wild. I mean, it it was on a. Uh phone first there is a secret explanation as to this that people keep missing it's very easy to say it but yes the game came out two years ago and was not popular in english-speaking countries but it had a million plus players across korea and brazil for a long time so it wasn't that not successful that's so strange but it tells you the power of streamers because it was one streamer i think in the uk who played it with a couple of friends then another streamer played it and then Bada ding, bada boom. That's how 60 it goes, million man. Steam sales or whatever the hell. <laughs> and those are such disparate markets, like Korea and Brazil. It's a, like totally different language and internet yeah. infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's basic, and, and and it's a game that you can play with any of your friends. Um, I, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure, like a lot of us have friends all over the world. I played right? it under a bridge. <laughs> on phones with yes. we were, I was literally on the uh, I think it was Saturday last weekend we got trapped in like a quick thunderstorm and it was pissing it down with rain and we were stuck under a bridge with some beer and there was seven of us and I was like oh shit have you guys played Among Us because it was literally the day after Matt and me played with our Discord community oh, for the first yeah. time and it was one of the best multiplayer experiences i'd had in ages in a long so much time fun. yes yes so wait, much wait, wait 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 you 
I, did you just say you're playing with strangers in no, real life? No, no, okay. no. Okay. It was friends. And I was like, but everybody had a mobile, right? And the game's free on mobile. It's tiny. So I was like, oh, let's just download it and play. And we played like within five minutes under that bridge. And I was like, this is really good. But people's reactions in real life was giving it away because I could see, you know, you could see everybody's faces for real and you could see all their reactions were giving it away, which did take yeah. away from a little bit. But when yeah. we played with the Discord, so I think this is what kicked me and Matt off about liking it and trying to drag you in. I know you'd wanted to play, um, but you weren't awake at the time. We just, I think we were on a random call and then everyone was like, should we try Among Us? Yeah, yeah. And I had not played it and I was looking forward to it. And then we, everyone was like, okay, jumped in. And then we played for like two hours and, and with the community. And it was yeah. a hella good time. So much fun. I didn't even have it. I was just like, yeah, fuck. Like, yeah, me neither. I was like, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it right now. It's five bucks. Let's do it. The best five bucks I've ever spent. <laughs> Let me tell you, man. I think that's what you said, too. Like, you're the best five bucks I've ever it's spent. The best five like, bucks I ever spent. <laughs> it's the best cheap game I bought. Yeah, like when you have a good group, it's just so good, man. When people, the thing is, you have to be quiet when the game is going. You have to mute yourself. Like if you're mm. playing on Discord, like it, the game doesn't work if you're not muting yourself. If you're not like you, you give it away, it's too easy to dissect what someone's doing when they're talking. I wanted to ask about that because I, I was playing in a very different group. Of, of like old college buddies for a couple of nights over the past week. Mm. There are five of us, two of whom are super duper non-gamers and like had trouble setting up Discord and stuff. But I was really surprised at how easily they were able to adapt to the game. Yes. But one problem that we kept running into was trying to make those rules for the voice chat and like trying yeah. to enforce that to a degree. I, I think your group seriously does a lot to capture this magic because don't think my group did it as well it's it's weird because this game like is successful i mean it's majorly successful right it's like full guys numbers mm -hmm. at the moment but it requires like it's so easy to play and that obviously was in its favor but it requires at least six i would say people for yeah. it to be really fun yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. and then what you need is if you can get a full lobby and you can get quite a few people, you need to have everybody on those ground rules, which is deafen yourself. And if everybody does that, which to be fair, in our Discord community game, it was perfect because everybody did it. And yeah. it is such an amazing feeling to be talking really fast and everybody's talking, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you press deafen and then you're alone walking around <laughs> on the spaceship, seeing your friends pass by and you uh -huh. can't hear them and you can't talk to them. And then something happens and then boom, undeafen. And, and then everyone's like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, the, and then they're like, oh, wait a minute. Liam's dead. Matt's dead. Wait, and you're, what? You're, <laughs> and because we're yeah. still deafened because you don't press on deafened yeah. when you're dead it, it's just so good and you know who the killer is you just sit yeah, back and you're, and you're watching, watching the mayhem <laughs> you die and because some always one person is streaming so we just you know there's a law obviously don't watch yeah. the stream and that's another thing is like yeah yeah don't watch the stream everybody was really courteous about that and yeah it, and it worked out 
it worked Ooh. it worked out man so you get good reactions like what you're the fucking killer like it's just so good it's when it works it fucking works man. listening to people justify why they're not the killer and you know they are because they fucking stabbed you in the back <laughs> when you're in like the aircon room or something like and you're listening to them and you're like you sneaky <laughs> sneaky bastard you fucking sneaky bastard and you can't oh, but man. applaud their efforts that one round where I managed to convince everybody that I was not the imposter and killed Matt and then killed Aubrey. <laughs> it was so good. So good. Yeah. I'm 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 bummed that my group didn't have that. What what we ended up doing was trying to fill that gap with internet strangers and Ooh. that game's numbers are so huge that it inevitably attracts yeah. a lot of uh, bad elements. Yeah. And I have not pressed the kick button as many times in many other games as I did in this one, those two nights. So that's the thing. I don't know why you would ever want to play this game without playing with friends. Like, yeah. I understand if you don't have any friends and that sucks, but the game is not good enough for me to want to jump back in and be like, oh my God, I need to play that game again. It's that yeah. in my head, I'm like, I need to play with those people those again. People, I need to yeah. play with those people again. Like, not the game. The game is a vessel for hilarity and fun. And I think yeah. Fair Play to Among Us, I mean, it does two things for me. One, I'm like, having a great time with great people and everyone's having a great time. And the second is it makes me feel like I'm playing a flash game on Newgrounds again, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Looks so yeah, like I, something from Newgrounds. I miss that. Yeah. yeah. And so it's a, but I'm not, it's not like a game I'm wanting to, it's not like I play a round of Titanfall with everybody. I'm like, that was a great game with great people. I want to continue playing Titanfall. I'll go play with randos now. I, I'm like, ah, I'm just I'm just going to wait until everybody plays Among Us again. Like, I'm itching. It's like when you play a good board game and you want to bring everybody back over to play the board game again. I'm not going to just go into the street and start playing my board game with randoms. It's a yeah. special experience I had with friends, and it feels kind of like that with Among Us. Yeah. It's good shit, man. I want to ask so. Matt, like, because um, I haven't played, but you did play the first time, which was Unfortunate Spaceman and, um, and Among Us. Wait, like, are they similar, or like, and which one did you prefer? Which one did, were you having a better Among time Us with? is definitely better, in my opinion. It, yeah, it just, yeah, it's just better. Like, you you interact with everyone a lot better. Like, uh, uh, um, unfortunate spaceman, you're just a monster, um, and everyone's talking to each other all the time. It's so easy to be caught. Of like, uh, like because everyone sees each other, and you can all just group up together the whole time, right? So they can always be like three people next to each other, and there's only one monster. So you're eventually gonna get caught. You know, it's not like Among Us where you just press the kill button, go inside a vent, and you're you're dis you know you're gone. I you can literally easy. sneak by someone because the the field of view is so small. Yeah. Sometimes if you do it around the corner, you can actually kill someone right in I front love of people. How easy it is to kill people yes. in that game. It makes it like even better. Just anybody can play the imposter if they are like half not a monkey. Like yeah. anybody can play. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's about the conversation. It's about where were you and catching people out of like, you know, 
mm, asking them where they were and stuff like where that. Where they were. Like, oh, you were there, you were there. Yeah. So I feel like that's way better than just fucking randomly being a monster and trying to kill someone as fast as you can um, as a as a, a, a glitchy ass monster. Not to say Unfortunate Spaceman is a bad game, but Among Us is definitely the for me the better game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I it's like when I I think you know a lot of Among Us success can be lent to the fact that anybody can play it and literally yes. you can play around and immediately understand it. Like the tasks yeah. are you know in, point and click tasks but the one yeah. thing i do like which is that once you've played the imposter imposter enough times you can start you know learning how to sabotage the ship a bit smart and you can embed yourself like you can sabotage your room and be in there and be like oh guys help me fix it help me fix it and trick everybody but it doesn't detract from when people are smart enough to be like where were you? So even yeah. though there are levels to it and you can kind of get good at understanding the experience of the game, it still comes down to that like public opinion <laughs> and like, how mm-hmm. can you sway people? How can you yeah. do a Crusader King sway on different. a whole group? Yeah. 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 What what you do is you immediately ask where the body was after you kill that person <laughs> who was the body. <laughs> From there on out, it's just a Rude Goldberg domino domino chain reaction of of your lies going going over everyone's head. I was really surprised at how in my group it was the non gamers that I think won the most rounds because it's like it's almost yeah. more of a test of your social skills than your video game skills. <laughs> that yeah, it's kind of true. It's like a psychoanalytic. Yeah. Um, who is the biggest sociopath? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man, I've won every imposter round. That makes me feel weird. <laughs> you are, you are a very a good imposter. <laughs> you are a very good imposter. I think I'm a pretty good imposter. I've won like too, four. Matt, you were, you like won three in a row, if I remember. But yeah, I never. I think it was I never, good revenge not, because yeah. you died every time as a crewmate. Like you died. Everyone first wanted to every kill Matt. Time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> me, me and you died a lot in the yes. beginning. <laughs> yes. It's like everyone was like, if we can take out the dad and sons, then like we can just reign supreme. This anarchy wasteland will appear. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. It's good stuff. And like, I think if you treat it like that sort of like get together now and again, the game's going to mm-hmm. have that lasting appeal for a lot of people. It's not like Fall Guys where you're like, hey, should we play tomorrow, today, the next week? And then yeah. kind of dies down a little i'm like oh yeah like in six months time and like everyone's like oh we're all together in this chat should we quickly jump in and play a game of among us like it kind of reminds me like a board game yeah i wanted to ask why you landed on the number six for your ideal player count no it's at the minimum not the ideal the ideal is 10 because you want two imposters you want two. you either want two imposters or you want and or you want one imposter with enough rounds yeah. to figure it out and have good discussion. The problem is if you have less than if you have five and God forbid four, which is the minimum, it ends after one or two rounds maximum. Whereas if yeah. you have six and you have one imposter, then you're gonna have at least three to four rounds to barter your way out and see what happens unless, you know, something deadly obvious happens. And then if you get up to like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, you can start adding more imposters, which is definitely more fun because everyone is super sus 
super sus but you have more rounds as well and like the, the longer the game the better this is i think like because you're like yeah the more it goes on you get more and more suspicious you're like this, someone's got to have died by now but i don't i haven't seen anything and nobody's recalled a report and i definitely think six is the minimum to have a good time uh, mm-hmm. with one imposter you can get away with two at seven we had a really good time with two at seven but the more yeah. you play if you have 10 more rounds more people moving around better, yeah. there's a lot to pay attention to so w- when you have 10 do you prefer two or three imposters oh three is too I, much i feel three right? might be too much hmm. as well i think because they can I just think... kill everybody really quickly hmm. yeah because as soon as yeah. as soon as there's like less than three crewmates the game's done i think with three as well you can manipulate the voting a bit because of mm. the numbers you can be mm. like because you know oh, who the no, other imposters parties. are yeah. party you, politics yeah because you know who the other imposters are so if if you're smart enough like obviously you're not talking to each other but if you're smart enough to say i think it was white and then the other two imposters are like, yeah, it's white. That's immediately three votes, right? And then if you only have another seven, you've got to try, the other players have to try and figure out like, oh no, is that the majority vote we should go for? So you could start manipulating the vote, I think, at three imposters. That just reminds me of my favorite meme that I saw where it was a close-up of the chat windows and it said, vote orange. And then a little while, another message said, but not in November. <laughs> <laughs> I've loved some of the memes, like the videos of like people's streams recorded with animations, and it's like I saw red go an event, and then the red guy's like, "No, I was. It was definitely black." And everyone's like, "Yeah, black's pretty sus." And black's like, "No, no, it was definitely red. I saw him go through it." And they're trying to like it because they're like, "I definitely saw it." And everyone's like, mm, "Black's pretty sus." I think there there was another <laughs> so another good. fun pun. There was a player named Air. So someone said, "I saw Air go into the vents," and then Air responds, "That's what happens to. That's what vents are supposed to do." <laughs> When you see people change wow. their names like to different colors and they're like purple, but their body is like orange and you're like, I saw purple. I mean, or I don't like <laughs> there's some really creative stuff going on with it as well. I, I love the SpongeBob memes, too. But I mean, I just love SpongeBob memes in general. Another thing I wanted to mention is what it's like playing color. Did you see the Hades SpongeBob meme? Sorry. I thought I, I, I don't maybe. It was like, you know, you know, it's Hades asking Zagreus, oh, come back again. And he's like, <laughs> it's the SpongeBob being like, yeah, come back again. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Anyway, old men talking about memes. Sorry, what are you saying, George? Uh, the, the, there's, there, there's another one where it's like dad saying, are you winning, son? Every time Zagreus wakes up in the river and has to begin again. <laughs> oh, um, no. So playing, playing among George us went. As... George, wait, 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 wait. Can we touch on the fact that George went meme lord viral this week as well? No, I didn't. With a tweet about Trump's taxes and a. Uh... Oh, that yeah, yeah. I I saw it. Bef- I guess before it went meme meme. <laughs> before yeah. it was cool. Before it was cool. Yeah, before George yeah. became meme lord popular. Yeah, if you uh, if you become rich enough, you can you can pay the cost of a of an RTX thirty eight hundred in, in income taxes. Um, but yeah, no, colorblind, colorblind. I can't help but notice that when I'm playing Among Us, I ended up identifying the characters more by their name than their color. And that's a totally different way, I think, of, of interpreting what's happening on the screen, because I see everyone else voting for the colors. 
but I was typing out their names. That's how I was keeping track of people. I uh, see. We I haven't I haven't really played a game where I have to type out because I've always played with people either voice comms. I'll be I'll be yeah. I, haven't, I to be honest, I haven't really played that many games. But you know, I spent like that first long session with the Discord community, and it was long and great and that's kind of just stuck in my mm. mind and then i played under the bridge and then i played a couple of games with those friends again um so i've always played com- with communication somehow um other outside of just being able to chat and the thing the one thing i do like is the ghost chat the fact that the ghosts can chat to each other so they can be like that motherfucker killed mm-hmm. me that motherfucker <laughs> killed me too <laughs> while everyone's talking that's pretty good so with typing, do do you feel like you get to the bottom of it, or are you like everybody's sus? It it it's honestly, yeah. To to be blunt and honest about it, it's a fucking mess when you combine a real life group talking in Discord with internet strangers who are talking on the keyboard. <laughs> and I, I I I was hoping there would be some kind of team dynamics going on, but that didn't really end up happening because the the dice would always shuffle to a point where someone in the real life group would end up being the imposter and still having to play against the the internet people and 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 also having played it colorblind with with names and hats being more identifiable than the colors i definitely think i was uh, you know not getting the full it was the viking the way it's sheriff. meant to be played experience there we definitely need to organize one then you me and matt for sure and then get some of the discord lovelies in there uh Get a full ten, baby. To show mm. you what what mm-hmm. it was like that mm-hmm. first experience. I absolutely can understand why it's so popular, though. Just witnessing the non-gamers learn the controls and learn the rules within like a five-minute window—that mm. does not happen with other games. No, yeah. and the fact that it's free on mobile with crossplay, like uh, pff, immediately. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah. one one of the things I really respect and really like from uh, my side of thing is, um. I mean, Innersloth, the guys and the people who made it, um, especially Forte Base, who is like their biz dev, but also Coda, have been super open about like all of their stats, like all of their breakdowns, like really good learning tools for other devs about like a lot of things. And I'm in a, I'm in another Discord actually. I didn't realize uh, about like um, sort of Steam st- stats and stuff and. He's in there, um, for this guy Forte Base, and he was talking about it, and I didn't even realize it. He, he was the guy who'd made Among Us, and I was just reading the stats, and I was like, "Oh, that's super interesting." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, you know, like our game is doing pretty well." And it's like, "Oh, your game, oh, your game, oh." But yeah, they're <laughs> super open about all these stats, like you know, the tail from like you can see their English Steam sale tail is like this, and then as soon as it hits twenty twenty. Like of early this year is like, <laughs> like so explosion. Do we think it's coincidence or mass hysteria, social zeitgeist that the two hottest games among the normies right now, Fall Guys and Among Us, both have extremely similar kind of bean people sort of character design? I I feel like, oh, I feel like I understand Among Us more than i understand fall guys is that weird to say no among us is more fun i i feel fall guys appeals to kids i don't know how much of among us appeals to kids in the beginning until they play it i think among us speaks to people like us like 
people who want to crave that social interaction online but but playing some games with some friends that doesn't require exhaustive competitive brain power and it's like that perfect entry point to that but I, i feel like the character design itself can't be ignored like these people they look cute they're kind of gender racially ambiguous mm. they that you can self-insert yourself into these cute little bean people no matter like like who you are but they look nothing like designs of right now i mean they look like newgrounds flash designs from you think about like newgrounds flash characters like the Stickman anima- animations mm, yeah. and like the simple characters of flash back in the 2004 2005 2006 thick. era i got those thick lines yeah <laughs> those thick black lines bold colors it's so flash anime. Like it reminds me of Castle Crashers and Alien Hominid. Oh my god! Straight Castle off the bat, Crashers. yeah, the it's in the, that era. Yeah. And I love the fact that the game just isn't optimized. Like I'm playing it and on a big 32 inch, and like it's just the iOS version of the game. <laughs> so all of the UI is super low resolution and looks shit. And you're like, respect. And you have to, and you have to click the kill button. You have to <laughs> click it. Like, I was just like, That's... what button is the kill button? Like when I first Literally played. Literally says kill. And I was like, I was like, where's, wait, what? <laughs> and I had to click <laughs> Because I, I like caught. I yeah I had no idea because I was like press sabotage and, I, and then it pulled up the map and I was like what what do I do do I press it and it's like you just literally press the icon of the place you want to sabotage and I'm like but I'm halfway across the ship how does this work yeah. I think that's exactly the thing that breaks it through to the non gamer crowd though. oh yeah there's 100%. A, a lack of precision that the game requires from you. But a lot of different strategies and, and outcomes that it can go. And mm. pressing the kill button is a fundamentally different way of pulling off some sick strats than than the way video games usually demand like timing and positioning from you. That that I saw adapt really, really well to the people who never play video games in this crowd. Among Us is a good title as well. Among Us is Among a good Us title. is a very good title. It is a very, very, very good title. It's very um, easy. It rolls off the tongue. Among Us. Have you played Among Us? Like, And it's, it's yeah. going to alphabetically appear in your Steam library. Oh, that's some, some game developer <laughs> trick there. Oh, that's dirty. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in playing more of it. I'm not like, I, as I mentioned, I'm not that bothered about like, you know, wanting to hop on it anytime, but like. If you get the right group of people together, a good like hour long to two hour long session, a couple of different games, you get the chance to be the imposter, you get the chance to be the crewmates, you're in for a good time. Like it's hard to deny why this game is currently as successful as it is and in the position it's in. And yeah, I mean I mean, sorry to spoil your uh later points, George, but I think it would be poignant to bring up one of the news stories because of this. The sequel. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> getting canceled because it's too popular. <laughs> oh my god, I never expected to see a headline like that. Um, yeah, Among Us Two was apparently in the works, and then they decided, wait, no, let's just update Among Us One. <laughs> How many times have we seen a headline like this? Has this even ever happened before? Where you, you, you get on Polygon and see popular game sequel canceled because it was too popular. 
I think in this instance, you can kind of gather what <laughs> happened. Like, it obviously wasn't popular. And then they were like, but you know what? We have like a million players across some non-English speaking countries. It's obviously got a user base. Let's make it again. But art is better, more polish, maybe some more features, more content, etc. And then we will re-release and see if we can make it again in Western speaking countries on Steam. But I guess you don't need to do that when you fucking got 60 million people playing it. <laughs> you just don't need to do that anymore. It's, it's a little risky. They uh, released a blog post saying that the code base of Among Us is so outdated and not so built garbage. to support adding much content. However, seeing how many people are enjoying Among Us really makes us want to be able to support the game and take it to the next level. It's all of the content. Three people. Three people. It's only three people. All of the content we had planned for Among Us 2 will instead go into Among Us 1. This is probably the more difficult choice because it means going deep into the core code of the game and reworking several parts of it. Uh, first up on the list are going to be some better servers, a real colorblind support, so I'm not going off of names and hats, a friend and login account system, which to the surface level of my knowledge sounds like complete rechanging of how you load up the game and hop in from from the ground up. Uh, they're going to be adding a new map soon. So there's there's some concerns I'm sure that they have talked through about whether or not they expect this spike in popularity to last long enough to warrant that kind of decision. It's certainly unconventional. Like I, mean, I, I do not remember the last time I saw a plan like this. Even if 50 to 75% of the user base drop off, they still have 25% more than they had before. And that 25% of the of the 100% they have now is still like a million players. So mm. it's like, even if they lose, if the novelty wears off and, you know, they're left with a user base of a, a million, that is like a million more players than they had before. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely worth it. It makes me laugh. I can feel for them, like having to go back into that. I imagine starting from scratch with games. Like I kind of want to do it with Curse to Golf. If ever, if I make a full vision, I just want to like yeah. wipe clean the old one and, and used what I had experience of yeah. before, and then start again. Yeah. Um, and I can imagine they really want to do that. But yeah, feel free to to enlighten us. But I I do believe that's one of like the core rules of software development in general. Like it's always easier to begin from a clean slate than rework yeah. old specialized code. So what also it depends on what it, it just depends what you build it in. I think you know um, I have no idea what they made it in. It looks maybe like HTML five or JavaScript or something. I don't know. It could be C. But like if you're making something in Unity now, I think it's easier than ever to go in and change stuff because everything is built upon prefabs and scenes. It's it's very easy to rip things out without <laughs> you know fucking up your entire system. If you're doing stuff in Game Maker, it becomes like a, it's like a micromanaging of lots and lots of text documents essentially in static scenes that you can't well stack rooms that you can't fuck with too much and if you take one out that's a reference to all of these other things and then you've taken that reference out and you've got to look for the other thousand objects that use that uh, reference and then you're yeah, like oh for fuck's yeah. sakes like like that is the stuff that turned me off of game development when i was a teenager like like trying new skills out for the first time it's totally different nowadays but among us looks like it's 20 year old 
20 year old piece of software so i can't imagine that <laughs> that they feel good about about this path like it's definitely a an uphill climb yeah i would i'd be interested to know what the development history of it was because i can't imagine it was that extensive in the beginning like it, it couldn't have been i mean the art never got updated the resolution never got updated so i imagine it was pretty small development anyway in the beginning um but yeah i'd be interested to see I'll be interested to see how much they can actually do stuff in the future. But, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> Good on so, them. Uh, Good on them. I guess, I guess now Zaz, uh, we, we did a small talk and a news. Now might be a good time to go to another small talk. Hell, throw us away, Hades boy. Yeah. We want to talk about Hades again. Give us a, a weekly Hades update. Matt, have you been playing Hades? I mean, I beat it multiple times already, and I saw the, I saw what happened, and stuff. I don't know if I can get the true ending. Like for some reason, I'm having a way harder time with this game than everyone else. I, I have a few guesses though. Joy Cons are still imperfect, so I decided <laughs> to switch over to a Wii U Pro controller, which I have an adapter for, and that finally got me to to the quote unquote final boss. And then when I saw that you have to do that multiple times i just I, I i'll try i will try but i do not know i have such a hard time with the minotaur and theseus oh what, what build are you using um i've been using the shield and the bow and arrow and i've been gradually working to a place where i kind of prefer to play the game more like a shmup where i'm dodging around the room instead of button mashing like a character action game use use the shield and put uh Ares doom on it that's a really good way to win your first uh what, what does that game. one do doom is the one where you you hit an enemy and then like a half a second later they take damage a yeah it does like a burst gap. of damage yeah big gap of damage and you can keep upgrading it with the the hammers to get it to like almost 200 so every time the shield hits um, a second later, they take 200 damage or 150 or whatever you have of that. Um, and you just keep doing that over and over again, and you just get people's life. And so for that Minotaur fight with the, with that other guy, that Lipin guy, you just keep tossing it around the room. It's a very, yeah. very easy way to win. Theseus is, is way easier than the Minotaur. It's just the Minotaur in particular. The other thing I noticed upon reviewing footage I've been recording is that I think I'm sitting too far away from the screen for a game that has a lot of tiny little bits of motion that really do look like a very different image when I'm watching my video footage on my computer monitor in front of my face versus when I'm sitting in the living room, sitting 17, I don't know, seven feet away from, from the screen. So are you guys playing on a TV far away on the other side of the room or are you playing on a monitor up close to your face? Monitor. Playing a monitor up close to yeah. my face. I don't think I would want to play yeah. Hades on a small, on a bigger screen, like far away. When, when I looked at the footage on a big screen in front of my face, it was like, like being Neo in the Matrix. Like it looked slow motion compared to what I was uh, playing from a distance. Mm. but um yeah no i i did i finally beat hades i really really enjoyed that ending the the like way that game captures the poetic misery of greek mythology is just mm. absolutely positively beautiful but boy oh boy did that get way way harder 
in the in the final stretches than what I was feeling last week when I was starting out. I de- I I did jump back in this week after you talked about it because uh, I haven't played 1.0 version and obviously on Steam I had it already and I was having a blast jumping in and playing it. It's a really good game and um, I tend to only have good runs with this spear that you can mm-hmm. throw, but I only I only have good runs if I get the spear turns into a shot. So like you f- you throw the spear and it doesn't stick in the ground. It's like a shot. So it's like you're firing shots, like lightning oh, strikes, nice. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And like mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. you and I, you shred bosses. Like the twin snake thing, you can just stand at the yeah. bottom and just fire it, just fire it, just fire it. Like and they can't do anything. Um, and I'm having a good time, but I realize my hands really hurt after playing it. It is a lot of oh, button yeah. mashing. Yeah, it does that to so me too. So much button mashing, and I was kind of like, I'm having. You know, you guys know like problems with my wrists recently, like yeah. working a lot and stuff. Hades, like I can only play one run. I like, and I'm I'm done. I'm done for a while, and I don't really necessarily get pulled back in. I really like the designs more than anything. The narrative is really fun, and I think all the voice acting is is sick, to be honest. But in terms of the actual gameplay, I'm like, yeah, I had good fun, and I'm kind of happy to move on now. Yeah, so am I. Don't really feel the need to play it again. I've seen, I've seen what I need to see. I don't, I don't need to see every single detail of every single conversation of and get everyone's little hearts up to maximum. I don't, I don't think I'm. Give all I'm the gifts to Cerberus, you monster. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I don't think I'm going to do that. Like I, I love their games. Like I love their games, but like it's a lot to do. You know, like I just want to move. I just want to beat it and kind of move on to something else. Like, you know, I don't know if I have time to grind something else, uh, something out for another 10 hours. It reminds me of getting this, the true ending of Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Oh, 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 the ending of Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker required you to replay some very difficult missions over and over again and see a similar story loop again and again and again until the final true ending. Hades does do something similar. Oh, God. What am I going to do with you? <laughs> so I saw the true ending for Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker on YouTube instead of on the game console. <laughs> and I'm worried. Wait, I'm worried no. I'm going to feel tempted to do it with Hades. You, you, you probably will do it with Hades. But, but, I, I but can the, see... it wasn't hard. Peace Walker wasn't that hard. I got the true ending. And I didn't even end up doing a video of that damn fucking game. That game is a fucking fucking fuck. My God, that is a weird game. Because of my <laughs> controller issues and how far away the screen is from me, I think I'm having, and because I'm an old man boomer, I'm having such a more difficult time with hate. When I when I get on the internet and see people like, oh, I, I started up Hades today and, and I didn't even notice 10 hours go by when, when I, I beat the final boss. Like, who are those people? Am, am I, no, I can absolutely see why both- Are they ninjas? Uh- I can How see did they why. get those reflexes? It, it, people, people are like that. People just play games over and over and over and over and over and over, and over, and over again. I, I'm, I'm not like that either. So I, I, you know, I can't understand that. But people like it. They like that getting so good at the game and having all their heat completely cleared out 
literally they have to put up everything to get full heat. If you you know that system at the end in the end of the game, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. What, what I'm more concerned about is is whether or not these people are actually like feline cats pretending to be humans. No. Like they they're seeing everything in slow motion compared to me. I can I can understand why. I think with a few with a few rounds of Hades, you get used to the speed. I think uh, I don't think mm. it's that hard to get past the first two bosses. Pretty much every run. But that's They're like a, a cakewalk compared easy. to the Minotaur. Yeah, the Minotaur, it's like a, but it is like a twenty-minute slog, right? You know, you get you you die, you go back, and I think for some people that is fine, right? The thing for me that breaks it up, and I whilst I love the narrative beats and stuff, they get in the way of the wanting to jump back in and try again part that other roguelikes like Spelunky or Noita have, where you can literally just like you die, bump, jump right back in and play again and i can play those games for like hours on end because i just want to retry and retry and retry so for me personally the narrative gets in the way of my ability to want to jump back into the game to try it again especially if i just had like a 20 minute run that ended i'm like i don't want to do that again but for some people who the who both like the gameplay and and the narrative carries them i mean you can't argue with super giants narrative style right they're famed for it and tie you know tie that with good gameplay i can understand why these people are like i'm playing like 10 to 20 hours of hades i finished it four times i feel yeah i can understand both ways like if the narrative doesn't carry you into wanting to play that run again then that's fine you had a good time, but I definitely see why people play this game over and over and over again, wanting to see I mean, those little things. I mean, those those voice lines change. Yeah, change as the story progresses. After you beat the game multiple times, they keep changing. It's it's pretty crazy. A lot of the voice lines will talk about some stuff like 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 if you do some cheesy tactics mm-hmm. uh, that that are just completely one sided against the enemies. Uh, Zagreus will be like, "Oh, that's what we're doing, huh?" And one thing that made me gave me a sting is, um, I mean, I, I grew up on a childhood of FPS games with a quick save button. Like I am conditioned to quick saving and quick loading my way through games. And and whenever I die from that Minotaur, my brain goes, I want to rematch right now. And you can't do that. It's a 20 to 30 minute, depending mm-hmm. on how much time you spend with the downtime yeah. to get back and get your rematch. Yeah. And Zagreus, when he died from the Minotaur, he woke up from his respawn point, looked around and said, I want a rematch. And it just like, <laughs> that made it sting even worse because it's like, they knew they knew when they wrote that line that, that a lot of players are gonna immediately want to jump back in and find out what they were doing wrong or observe the boss's patterns. There's there's so much at stake when when it takes tens of minutes to retry lost progress that that even like when you're fighting ornstein and smog in the middle of dark souls dark souls and, and hades in my opinion put the hardest bosses in the middle of the game rather than the end you you can walk up a staircase and try them again and in hades you're you're you, you you got you got a ways to go before you can get back to to this game's version of ornstein and smog yeah, it is a bit frustrating, and you know that's kind of the double-edged sort of roguelikes, right? Once you get better and better at them, it becomes a longer and longer experience to try and finish them. It, it's still getting easier and easier with each run, but but boy, oh boy, that Minotaur is... One of the funnest things this game does that I think is what keeps people going is, of course, I mean, they've smashed the quality. Like, hands down, smashed the quality. The yeah. designs, as I mentioned, remind me of, like, Shin Megami Tensei god designs they're fantastic Mm -hmm. they have such great personalities but the menus tell you 
how many more times you interact with them and you will unlock like the next part of the story with them and you're like oh if i meet aries two more times he'll tell me more about like fucking slaughtering people i want to do that yeah in the menu oh my god that's it's super smart. Tells you how many times you've given them, given them uh, drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. I noticed that the heart fills up, but I didn't. Mm, no, like see. if you go into the codec, if you go into the codec of the different characters, like it says, journal oh yeah, yeah, dated, yeah. It'll tell you. It'll be like, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I, I do know what you're talking about now. Buy two more boons off Ares, and mm. you'll have another interaction or something. Um, another key point will be unlocked. Something like that. That's really smart because people yeah. really like these characters and they want to yeah. know more. So it's 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 good shit. It's good. It's so good. there there was one menu that all, that totally missed me back until way too late, and that's the the weapon aspect upgrades is uh, something that that I I missed until I haven't looked into that yet. I did notice that I was watching Barry stream it, and I was like, Barry was doing some stuff I'd never seen before, and I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely you, more to this game. Yeah, if you find that menu, you can turn the shield into a slow-moving Beyblade that bounces around <laughs> the room. And then if you grind a boon that turns your cast into a blade rift, and, and then also further upgrade your character with, with some, some cathonic key unlocks in the mirror, you can increase your, your cast count and have just a bunch of spinning tops flying around the screen while I'm running around in circles, like kiting the enemies into these traps. It's, 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 it's still good fun. I, yeah. I, 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 I have genuinely enjoyed that game despite getting really frustrated at that Minotaur. There's four aspects for each weapon. There's a lot to unlock. And you need mm-hmm. enough Titan mm-hmm. blood to do it. It's so much. I don't know if I want to recommend changing to a different weapon for every run, though. Like, it seems like you have just as much to gain from sticking to one weapon and upgrade it as you do from playing with other weapons to to get some story unlocks from the diversity. There's definitely play styles. And the fact is the boons change how each weapon plays. So there's like, there's a lot to experience with each weapon first. So if you find a weapon yeah. that you're comfortable and you, with. And you like, unlock more stuff if you play yeah. with different weapons. I I, I prefer oh, okay. this system yeah. to like the, the usual, you just have one weapon that may or may not spawn per run as in like a nuclear throne style roguelike. It's, it's, it's a good game. It's a very, it's a very, very good game. I, I like it better than, than Enter the Gungeon. I like it better than, than uh, Nuclear Throne. I don't know if I like it as much as Spelunky 1, though. I just started playing Spelunky 2's PC release that came out an hour ago, and I'm looking forward to jumping into that. <laughs> I love how quick runs are because I die all of the time, um, but it's good fun so far. So I'm looking forward to playing that. I feel like with with Spelunky, I can I can get my rematch if I if I die unexpectedly. Speaking of hard games, I've seen that mm. Matt's been playing Blasphemous. Oh, Blasphemous! I, so I went back and played some games that I didn't quite like at launch. Um, Death Scam, oh, okay, and Blasphemous. A lot of patches later, they're all they're all clean now. I beat clean. Death Gambit yesterday. They're short games. They're short little Metrovania games, and I, I enjoy them. Death Gambit, both of these have voice acting and everything like that in the story. It's quite nice. Death Gambit is uh, more regular, more fantasy, um, and it was, a, it was actually pretty good. It has mixed reviews, 
recently on Steam, but I I've never seen this before. It's it's pretty good. It's yeah, because like no one talks about it. I guess it's not much online about it. It's weird, but uh, of course I anything Metrovania comes out, I'm I'm really like oh. Really? Hmm? So I've tried yeah. it way back, but now it's all patched up and stuff, and it does feel good. It they're coming out with a DLC, and it's gonna significantly change the game. Um, so I'm probably gonna replay it at some point. Um, because they're gonna add new weapons and stuff like that. Cause it needs it. It needs it. There's like only one dagger in the game, and only what like it's missing stuff. But what's there is really good really good um that that pixel art though yeah that is that is gorgeous it's pre and and there's like the bosses and stuff the way they move even though it looks a little floaty like the way he walks it's the animation is still there yeah it's 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 quite good i'm it's quite good and and all this stuff is cheap um (laughs) blasphemous is is a, a tier above i would say in terms of presentation this is yes. the bosses the voice the the atmosphere is just sick <laughs> in 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 both ways just disgusting and also <laughs> just like really like it's not dark it obviously like inspired by dark souls obviously a lot of things are but like it, it's more religion based and it's just the things you see, the cut scenes that are pixel art. And it's just, it's a little just disturbing to watch in some cases. And it just, it's just awesome. It's like, um, is it Planescape Torment? What is the, there's a recent one that came out a couple of years ago. Tides of Numenera is a uh, part of that, that IP that. Oh yeah. We talked about that, didn't we? Like. 2016 17 release one of those years maybe i played a game like that it was like a point and click game and it, it, it was really disturbing as well but like this is kind of the same thing this this is good i haven't beat this one but i've gotten pretty far this this is uh significantly harder um and uh the platforming drove me nuts the first time I played it. Now it's a lot easier. I don't know if they've patched it a bit to make okay. to make the jumps feel a little bit normal <laughs> or not. Or I just life gotten better at video games. They, I think there was some quality life improvements because it, it it comes with like their final DLC, right? Like a big new update. Yeah, it's like okay. at two point now, version two point I'm pretty sure they have fixed a lot of shit. Hmm. Whole, sure they wow they watch. called it dupe that's a whole nother installment yeah a whole digit yeah yeah so yeah um yeah and they have the dlc as well with it so like it's um that one if you're looking for something disgusting and a 2d game that's a a, a metrovania an actual metrovania um that game is definitely it like you can customize a lot of the stuff uh, your character does. Um, and I haven't even scratched the surface of that game. That's that's a good one. That's a good one. And I think they're both pretty short. So if you're looking for like one of those short experiences. But yeah, that's a that's tasty. I that's, want that's to play tasty. Blasphemous, but I like something just 
puts me off a little bit. I don't yeah. like it's yeah. it's nothing to do with like the game itself or like the way it looks or any of the blood or anything. I I it's just when I watch it in motion, it feels like it's you, what you're not gonna like, which I hate, is that the the dash does not have iframes, and you cannot rub up rub up against enemies. You get hit, so you have to time your dash right before you touch the enemy to slide through them if they don't have a shield up. Yeah, because if they have the shield up, you automatically hit them and you get bounced back. It is frustrating because death. <laughs> Death Gambit and a lot of mini games have iframes when you dodge and when you dash. Yeah. I I, I love iframes. Like you it feels Everybody good. Everybody does. It, Hades it Hades has fucking tons of them and I love it. You dash yeah. everything in Hades. I, I wish real life had iframes. <laughs> it does, George. It, so you could dodge I want to dodge those income taxes. Just um, in, in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you dodge a bullet. You can, if you're fast enough, you can get iframes and the bullet will just pass right through you, unharmed. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm always just kind of worried, you know, when playing dodgeball that, that I'm just going to dodge into the ball. But but if I could get some iframes on me IRL, then then or you can get, I'd, just, I'd just be dominating. You get Athena's Blessing and you can um, deflect the dodgeball. Deflect ball back, your dodgeball. Back at the attacker, <laughs> yeah. Some Hades. <laughs> some Hades. I I want I want to do some Netflix no chill Holy real shit. quick. Oh, me me too after you, man. Yeah? Me too. Okay. I'm I'm gonna do I'm gonna be quick because I've watched a lot. I've watched a lot. Ooh. Yeah. So like uh I think I'm thinking of ending things. This is a good one. Oh, good. I that's the title. Yeah. Phew. Woo. Oh, it's weird because yeah, I read I read the document as an entirely different thing. I was like, you seem pretty upbeat recently. I don't expect okay. you to. Uh, for, I know it. it for, like the movie, for, it, she for like list, literally for, says throughout the trailer, "I think I'm ending things," and you just don't for, know what the the movie is yet. Yeah. For, for listeners, for listeners who don't know, we've been talking about about hades and among us this whole time when while looking at our, our podcast outline document here when i saw matt type down in all caps i'm thinking i'm ending things <laughs> <laughs> i think it's i think i'm of in ending things i don't know i don't know what the, the, the title is that and and um, oh, thank god it's oh, the title oh, oh, oh it's oh it's this movie oh yeah yes, I know, yes, i know yes. which one you're talking i didn't watch it but i was very intrigued so i read the plot synopsis <laughs> oh my god okay okay but like it's it's a weird movie so if you've watched I've, I've i talked about a movie a long time ago called the lobster right with uh colin farrell i think his name is that movie's also weird but it's also so interesting to watch this is that type of movie and if you love the lobster you will love this it is just random ramblings of just <laughs> deep shit and and it's it's so interesting to watch that's i love i loved it i loved it it is one of the i've watched a lot of movies like the platform and all that with bad endings this is no different. They're all they're all just unsatisfying endings, <laughs> but they're supposed to mean something that I just I just uh, I I just want something to end properly. <laughs> but yeah. So this film is made by Charlie Kaufman, right? So he did um, 
being John Malkovich and uh, what's the big one? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So he's made pretty he's made pretty wacky films before. Yeah, I'm thinking of ending things. There it is. That's the that's the title. I'm thinking of ending things. So you're saying that I'm thinking of ending things didn't fully think out its ending of things? No, no I think that's just the way it is. I think it's a book. Is it not? Isn't it a book um, or or like a, some type of? Yes, the film is based on the 2016 novel of the same name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a book. I I think that's just the way it is. It it's weird. It's a weird. It's a weird. It's not a regular movie. Like you you cannot go into this thinking that you're gonna have a beginning, middle, and end. This is not. This is not that. This is this is something weird. And if you want, if you like weird, you're going to like that. If you if you if you spend your time watching indie weird films, you're going to like this shit. I like this shit. I watch everything. And I also watch The Room and The Disaster Artist right after. <laughs> the Room is still fucking bad. Okay. It's still fucking bad. It's still sex scenes all over that poor girl. <laughs> and then now... I watched a disaster artist and see how uncomfortable in the the room was. I feel even worse about it, but also like the disaster artist was kind of fucking good, kind of kind of really good because it it showed that Tommy had something to bring to the table, almost mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. he was teaching. Right in the beginning of the movie, there's a scene inside of the restaurant with um with the the, the character who plays uh Mark. Greg Sestero. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a was, big buff of this afraid. stuff. I love these. Yeah. And he was afraid of of you know, projecting in front of people, acting in front of people. And Tommy was just like, do it, whatever. And he's just like just <laughs> do says it, it in the whatever. Middle. It's <laughs> It's so good. I mean, it's obviously Tommy's weird as fuck. He's weird as hell. Yeah. There might be something legit wrong with him. Is something wrong with him? Yes. And he has a bunch of money, a ton of money. And there's a huge story behind that that is even weirder. Yeah. And I would like to actually look it up. Yeah. And. I would recommend the audiobook if you ever got time. Yes. So I was going to say, I read the book and it's fascinating. It's but fantastic. I didn't watch the movie until actually rather recently, probably maybe two or three months ago. And I was yeah. looking forward to it. And then it just passed me by. And I watched the movie and I was actually kind of disappointed. Like, I, I personally, oh, it wasn't I was the like, book. not that yeah, it wasn't the, the book. book is I better. Also, I the also just don't, okay. like, I don't, I ended up not liking Tommy. Like, like I didn't like James Franco's Tommy. Like, oh, not that he really. was bad because he's amazing. It's just that he's a prick. He's like a he's a he's a dick. Even though I know what you know, Tommy Wiseau is like in real life, and he seems like a character, and like he's hilarious to see videos of. But like in the movie, and you get it in the book a little bit, but it's hard to see the personification of it. He's a dick, and then by the end, I just, I just felt bad for Greg. Like even with the movie theater thing at the end, like where you know he's like, "It's your movie," <laughs> he's like clapping him. It, yeah, it made me not like Tommy Rizzo, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't expect that. I was gonna feel that way." Um, so it was a little disappointing to me. 
with with the book, you absolutely have more time to explore the humanity of Tommy, but some of the antics he gets up to in the book are even worse than the movie. That's true. The movie the movie also has a much cleaner, like Hollywood mass audience happy ending sort of deal going on, whereas the book like leaves you feeling emotionally complicated about whether or not Tommy made the world and his life a better place or not by making something so bad that it did become so good that ended up fulfilling a weird postmodern ironic version of the American dream. It's a complicated, wonderfully human story that um is is absolutely I think one of my favorite books of of all time and Greg Sestero's narration is is incredible and hilarious. But you there are so many sides to that man's life and his backstory and wherever the hell he came from and whatever the hell he did to learn English and whatever the hell he did to gain money that that they simply could not explore in the movie. In the movie, everyone's uh. a more cartoony version of like the real human beings that that have like a reason to be a dick in the book. Like it's a hard life lesson when you when you think someone's just a dick and then you find out, oh, oh, there's actually a really long, complicated story and a lot of like contributing factors that that maybe contributed to this person being a dick that the movie does not have as many layers about. You know, it's funny because the movie made me made me like Greg a lot. Is Greg? Yes. Really? Yeah. A good is he a good actor? No. <laughs> I know I the difference. I know the difference. I know I know knowing an actor personally mm. and then filming them and seeing them not do a good job. But you know the person in real life and you're just like, huh. Right? I I've seen that. Like they're they're good good people, but they just can't they can't act. You know? I, I don't know if, if Greg Sestero's IMDb page is, is very flattering to look at. Uh, yeah. And in the book, he talks about uh, his other big acting gig at the time was playing a like, young version of the main character of, of a schlocky horror series called Puppet Master. And <laughs> this hearing him describe like fights with his girlfriend and running out of money and having to eat trash while going to work to play young puppet master is is so surreal and funny and depressing <laughs> it's this soup of complicated emotions that are like real like like a non-fiction biographical take that uh leave you feeling like like more of a human by the end of that book uh funny fact i have a friend called mark uh who lives here in kyoto and he <laughs> he plays in a band called nice legs and they're <laughs> quite well known here in kyoto they play gigs all the time they're really good um mark's amazing um he's so obsessed with the room and like with like you know, Greg and Tommy that he reached out to them a couple of years ago. Like if you ever need any music for a film, like you can have my s tracks or songs for like free or whatever royalty free. And, um, a couple of years later, Tommy and Greg got together to make a, a movie. I think, I think they're called nice friends or something like that. Um, yeah. or tr real friends or something. And they used Mark's song, Mark and Lauren's song on the trailer. And like, oh, it like blew Mark's mind. Like, I think, yeah, you know, I can't remember what the specific details were, but like, he was like, oh my fucking God, <laughs> he lost his mind. Damn. Yeah, pretty fucking cool. <laughs> that was funny. I, 
it, it, I, I wonder if you, if Greg would have became a better actor if he actually took that thing up with, uh, with Brian Cranston, man. Maybe. That Did makes that me feel bad. That happens, that right? Yeah, really yeah. Because like, of... sometimes, like, you go to a different path in your life, and something changes. You see something, and your brain just clicks, and you're like, "I can get better at this thing now." But because he went a different route, mm. and with experience, you start to be able to read those path lines. And yeah, you're like I know where that ends, and I know yeah. how far that one could potentially go. And yeah, yeah it's it's interesting. Yeah. One of the scenes that I wish they included in the movie that was in the books was when Tommy was making the crew watch 9-11 coverage and he was like making them wave flags and wear the lapel pins and like, like say a prayer to America. And as the book goes on, this thing at first seems like really obnoxious and unnecessary, but then you find out that like Tommy might have died if he didn't move to this country. Like, he might have died from the poverty and crime that he escaped from, and he ended up building a fortune through potentially suspicious means and, and living his dream. Like, of fucking course, someone from that perspective and that background might be a little bit obnoxious with the, the 9-11 American patriotism stuff back in, back in 2001. Where is he from? No one really knows for sure. How's that possible, though? How's that possible? Greg Sestero suspects that what he did was immigrate to France from a post-Soviet country that collapsed in the 90s. He learned to speak English from American movies, but does it with this off-French accent that he then uh, took with him to a family of extended relatives somewhere in his bloodline of humanity to New Orleans where he got into um, jazz culture. And uh, that's why Greg suspects that that is why he um, keeps comparing his writing style to like, like Tennessee Williams' Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. He then moves from one weird artsy culture town in the U.S., New Orleans, to another one, San Francisco, and proceeds to learn more weird like culturally filtered English American culture from that where he may or may not have hooked up with a very suspicious, potentially illegal loan to get out of a life of selling tourist trinkets on the beach to owning warehouses of clothes that he would then sell off all to build a fortune to make the movies that he learned English from as a kid in his impoverished crime ridden country that he grew up in that he won't talk about. And then I start thinking back on people I've known in life, like I've known immigrants and the children of immigrants who spent their first few lives living in horrific poverty conditions. They're embarrassed to talk about it. They won't like a lot of people I know who come from that background do not like talking about their childhood from from where they came from. And and seeing like that kind of story resonate with people I've known and how there is a kind of logic behind how weird this guy is, is is a mind blowing degree of of beautiful storytelling that that i i don't think the movie could really capture unless they went for a completely different tone yeah yeah fascinating guy it's hard to take it serious when tommy talks like that yeah Mm -hmm. and he acts the way he acts like yeah that's the thing right it's not just his voice it's the way he acts right and the way he thinks about things he obviously he's obviously not all there let's say right he's not a normal guy just with a funny accent he is 
an eccentric yeah. person and then their accent has become a part of that persona and I don't think he's putting it on. He obviously has some sort of, um, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say he's it, when you're seeing not it, stupid. But yeah. Because yeah. when you're seeing it on screen, it could get really uncomfortable if they go for a serious tone. You know, mm-hmm. and it that just 9/11 stuff right? would have definitely pushed yeah. it over the edge. Yeah, like the disaster artist is the the movie is a comedy, and the book is just it's like a like it's a it's funny. I can't deny it's not funny, but like you laugh and you cry. Yeah, the best thing about the movie is the fact that Tommy Rizzo ended up on the press circuit or the press junket, as you'd say, with um, James Franco, and just ended up on loads of TV interviews. It's that was a great. A great time. I wonder how he felt about that. Our, <laughs> Probably like he was back in the limelight. Like, this is yeah. it. This is why he made the room. <laughs> it, like, it's crazy to think that the shitty movie that they ended up making turned into a pretty good comedy <laughs> became so popular. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of shitty movies out there. There's a lot. But this movies. is the most famous shitty movie of all, yeah, time. And of all time. And in that respect, like he made it. That is the American dream. Like like moving away from from poverty to make yeah. a fortune following your dreams. Like that's what we all want and out of that, life. And there's a secret beauty to something that isn't just bad, like poor quality. Like it's just bad. Like it's bad with a capital B. Um not just a mediocre bad film. Oh it's man. Like, it's made bad. It's casted bad. It's it's wow. The movie also could not get into the latent homoeroticism of the room that Greg Sestero explores in the book, too. Yeah, dude. Dude. Dude, the friend <laughs> I was watching with, they're like, are they? She's like, are they gay? Uh, yeah, it's right. Wait, no, she's gay. No. Oh no. Tommy likes him. Oh no, Tommy likes him too. Like no, <laughs> she was expecting for There's like for some relationship to happen at the end, and it like it never happened. And she was like, "Wait a minute, he just kills himself." Like that's that's it. <laughs> I was like, "Yep." There's a lot of uncomfortable bisexual tension in the room that you would not notice until you d- dive down this hole of of the disaster artist. Wait, okay, all right. W- w- let me ask a question then. There, there's, there's the. The scene in the park was that actually real when they were tossing, and that was actually real. It looked like they were playing on the in the film in the room. According according to the book, that was shot way after the other scenes in the movie, and they did not have permission to shoot in the park, so they did very very quick takes that they would like hustle up inside a van, uh, spew outside of the van, do do two or three quick takes, and then pile back in the van before any cops could spot it. Oh, so okay. those takes so were, were rushed. They were unauthorized. So it wasn't. Oh, oh, you mean the shoving? Yeah, the, the there was yeah. a fight Come on, in the movie. Tommy. Come on. That yeah. happened on a closed set. That was part of the script. Um, uh. the 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 acting, you know, was not good. They they probably didn't rehearse as much as they should have. But that was at least on a closed set. Oh, I don't think you know. All right, so in the movie, they fight in the park. Oh, oh, you're talking about the disaster artist movie. I thought you were yeah. talking about the room movie. No, no. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah. They they fight in the park. And I remember, the room, I remember now. Yeah. They don't look like they're actually fighting. They look like they're playing. I do think so that I wonder if they just to the put movie. a dub over and they were actually fighting on the floor. 
because it looks like the same shot in a disaster artist and in the room. I, I think that was thrown into the disaster artist film version to give the, the climax more tension. Liam, gotcha, do you remember that gotcha. scene in the book? Cause I, I remember that. Being I remember a them having a falling out, but I can't remember if it was yeah. in the park when they were meant to be filming the football scene. I yeah. I don't, I don't remember them actually having a real fist fight like gotcha. they did in the disaster artist movie mm. version. Gotcha. 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 So just before we move on, I just want to say, actually, I have been watching a lot of TV recently, um, Ooh. kind of in that middle ground where, you know, games are coming out. So I'm kind of holding off like I've been excited for Spelunky 2 and, uh, you know, Baldur's Gate 3 comes out in, in the next week or so. And Wait, next week? Uh, yes, October 6th. Yes. Oh, dear. <gasps> early oh, access, dear. my friend. Early <gasps> access. Yeah, baby. Oh, early yeah, access. Baby. Okay, few. I'll... Not panic. You guys can have um, fun with that. But uh, yeah, there's a couple of games coming out. Um, so I've been watching a lot of TV. And I'll just rattle off some that I really enjoyed. I watched the first season of The Boys, which I thought was pretty good. Okay. That's good fun. I want to watch that. Yeah. It's good fun. I haven't watched season two yet, but the first season was really good. I watched a comedy called Chasing, which has Phoebe Waller-Bridge in it, who I am now a huge fan of. Um, and that was good fun. And then I watched Killing Eve recently, the first two seasons of that, which I don't know if you've heard about that, guys. Killing Eve, very good TV show. Very, Killing very good. Eve. Not on Netflix. Kind of hard to get hold of if you're in Japan, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. No, no. <laughs> Killing Eve. Um, I just want to note that J.D. Comer, who plays Villeneuve, the, is sort of the antagonist of Killing Eve, is a girl from Liverpool who is so good at European accents and so good at speaking different languages that she is fucking incredible in that TV show as the character. Um, it's a great, like, if you're kind of into a little bit of spy comedy, but with serious tones, like, it's pretty gruesome at times. Like, she gets oh, up to some nasty oh. shit. Sandra Oh is the main character. She's Eve. And, oh. and she's great as well. It's a very good TV show. And it's written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who, who was in this comedy I watched. She's in Fleabag as well, but I haven't watched that yet. Anyway, Fleabag watch those shows. good. So, you know, so Phoebe Waller-Bridge, oh, yeah. so she's the main character in Fleabag, right? She's Fleabag. Yeah. She wrote Killing Eve. I like Fleabag. So she wrote Killing Eve. And, um, oh, that means I gotta watch it then. It's, fa it's fantastic. It's really, really good. I really enjoyed the first two seasons. God, um, man. And it's such incredible good acting in it. And it's gorgeous to look at the cinematography. It looks like a movie every you know, like a like a like a James Bond-esque European fantasy kind of movie. Gorgeous shots of Tuscany and Berlin and Paris and everything. Just so Eurocentric. It's gorgeous. Um, but the one thing I wanted to point out, and this is probably just a me thing, um, I'm a huge fan of the regular show. Uh, it's my mm. favorite, it's like my favorite oh, cartoon, cartoon network. Uh, yeah, like I love that show. It means a lot to me. And J.G. Quintel, who made it, recently released after like seven years, his new like adult animation, which is called Close Enough. It was originally meant to be like a HBO Max thing, but then because coronavirus happened, it got delayed and they never released it. So they released it like some other way. But it recently came to Netflix and I was so psyched and so surprised as I had no idea and I didn't think I was going to get a chance to watch it. And I finally got a chance to watch it. And is a huge regular show fan and, and, you know, was kind of bummed out that, you know, JG is making something kind of serious. And I said, it's really good. It's so heartwarming. And just like, 
it's it like if you are my age which both of you are <laughs> if you are if you're listening to this and it doesn't matter if you're female or male or non-binary or anything and you have maybe like a job or a family and you 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 yearn for yesteryear of having fun as a as a young teen and you know those video games you used to play and pranking your friends like if you yearn for those but you're living in the modern 2020 world this this animation this cartoon is fucking for you it's so referential to like growing old and that's the oh. whole point it's a bit it's like kind of an autobiographical biography ah, it's an autobiography in cartoon form of jg quintle's life of him having a kid marrying his sweetheart and like them not being able to pay the rent like you know living mm-hmm. in la so and it's it's great it's so heartwarming and the character josh who's the main character he's fucking great candice the kid is amazing emily's amazing it's it's a great show it's really short 20 minute episodes split into two 10 minute episodes each the seven episodes it's awesome I, I see that that Weird Al Yankovic is involved, which he is in. He is in one episode. Yeah, <laughs> it, it usually means that that the the thing he's he's cameoing in is probably going to have like a squeaky clean reputation and positive wholesome vibes. That's his style. So when you say adult animation, does that mean it's like like edgy and bloody and violent, it, or just no, like it, kids no, would find it's, it boring? It's it's maybe like Rick and Morty levels of edgy you know it's like it's not family guy it's not like that level but it's it's definitely more simpsons rick and morty levels of uh edgy in terms of like it's got more rick and morty is pretty gross yeah rick and morty yeah but it's edgy in like a gross teenager kind of way right it's not like that adult like um there's there's a lot there's a bit of swearing there's drug references there's you know getting fucking you know stoned a lot in it (laughs) Like there's, it's that it's not Cartoon Network. Like even though it came from Cartoon Network Studios, it's not a Cartoon Network um, channel level cartoon. And it is, it's kind of just about growing up, but growing up from the perspective of somebody who is now thirty, right? It's like somebody yeah. who has gone through their twenties has been hit hard with Fucking the fact up. that they now have a kid <laughs> and they have responsibilities, and it's it's kind of about that. It's about you know. What like, life is I, like. I, I, yeah. I kind of want to watch it. Yeah. yeah, I do. And it, it Matt, honestly, I think you'd have a great time. It's it's really hot. I've watched it twice because I watched it once with myself and then I watched it with my partner. And like, it's just like the episodes are, are short and sweet and they're kind of fantasy like, you know, they use cartoon to extend reality a little bit, but it's very grounded. Um, I had a great time and like I was so happy because JG Quintel made regular show and regular show for me was such a great cartoon that was it's so amazing like if you watch regular show it's about two dudes who are literally like early 20s bums just play video games earn like minimum wage jobs to just dust around with each other and then he made this which is then about the next stage of life after yeah. that um it's so cool to see uh, i was enough. i really enjoyed it i'm really happy it turned out the way it did yeah it HBO took a while max, but huh? hbo max is killing it's on it, netflix man. now well it's on netflix japan so it should be on netflix america no they're they're separate they're separate things man <laughs> um but i had a blast and i highly recommend it it's a quick bingeable watch and uh yeah, I'm, I I hope we get to see more of it because I really right. really like the characters as well. Yeah, Josh and Emily and Candice are awesome, so it's it's good. 
Good shit. I wanted to say something quick about Antebellum. Antebellum. Okay. Yeah, you can look that up. It's a movie that I, you know, you're on Twitter and you saw, I was like, oh man, because I was looking up, you, you know, like a Warcraft, not Warcraft, Lovecraft Country was out. And I think Jordan Peele was like in it, not in it, um, with it, uh, maybe a producer or something. And I was like, oh man, like a lot of like black, black, like films and black TV is coming Oof. out, like more mm. like gritty and stuff because of Get Out and uh us. yeah and us and Ooh. yeah so i was like oh shoot this is like another one of them so i i go down and and i watch that that is a bad movie i just looked at the <laughs> tomato meter it's at 28 percent yeah it, it's not it's not <sighs> it's got monet in it janelle monet yeah she's what sucks really well she's a musician right yes She's a musician and she's been getting into acting, but I gotta say, the movie is dumb. Like, half of the movie is okay. Like, it works, but her acting is so amateur. That's what, that's like a good way to describe it. Like, it just doesn't fit this scene. Like, it looks good. Like, imagine something looking good, like, like an SNL skit. Mm. But they're acting weird. Like, that's what it, she makes the movie feel like. And in the other half of the movie, they're just making stupid decisions. And it <laughs> sucks because the girl from Presh is in there and she's fucking phenomenal. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of people in there who are great, but she sucks. And then whoever wrote the movie really messed up or maybe it got messed up in the editing i don't know but maybe a combination of both it end up being they end up doing something like i i don't want to spoil it if you want to watch it but like imagine someone if you're trying to be quiet and they end up not being quiet and nothing bad happens to them that's how it's it's unbelievable bullshit like stuff like that like what, just what, what? throughout the last half what is it about? Because the trailer goes from like like it's, slavery to modern say, yeah. day. Say like time travel or like um. I it, it's it... oh wow the trailer spoils it. Damn, maybe not the logic behind. Is it, it like but... some Assassin's Creed history go back in the Animus type nonsense? Or like parallel stories of a girl and her ancestors? Okay, you know what? I, I'll I'll spoil it. If you guys want to actually watch this terrible movie, then. <laughs> Yeah, whatever you know like, i think skip, i'm skip, good skip five minutes skip skip five minutes basically in the beginning of the movie it's like this slavery movie and then this girl comes to the camp and she's like i'm from north carolina where have you, i know you um where are you from and she was like virginia like because it starts off as a slave movie everyone's talking like slaves and stuff like that um but this girl it's like the new recruits come and she's like what the fuck is happening here Basically, you learn that they were all kidnapped and brought to this little secret place, like the village. Like and the village? Like the village, like the <sighs> secret place where all these white people can live out their fantasies. Oh. Um, yeah. It's pretty fucking bad. Like, and, and I was just like, Ugh. damn. But it's not done well. 
So it ends up just being fucking weird. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to make a movie about white and black, right? If we're going to go this route, you got to make, you can't fuck it up. You can't fuck it up. You got to, you got to. And it's not like they're like, oh, white people are bad. And they didn't do that whole thing, but. Okay. Man, a whole damn. There was a, there was a, there was a scene. There is a scene, right? Like, so once you find this out, a cell phone rings from the and and of course uh she's obviously the the white general is having the is over her place and Mm. yeah and his cell phone rings so she knows that he has a cell phone she keeps like uh the 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 smartest thing in the movie is you see her throughout the movie always trying to find which wood on the floor doesn't creak because she slowly uses it to get closer to the window to hear what he's saying. Dun, 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 and goes back, yeah. And then she uses it to um, escape, escape very quietly outside of the room to use the cell phone to try to call for help. Right? The whole movie, she's practicing these, these, these planks on the, on the fucking floor, finding the wood. And then... It gets thrown out the window. She gets the phone. They're hanging out in front of the house, talking to each other. Oh, the phone, the phone. Oh, my God. Like the whole time, the whole time, the whole time. Anyways, I'm not going to complain about this movie. It sucks. (laughs) It fucking sucks. It drove me insane that a movie can look this good and be this fucking bad. It's weird because okay, the that's twist, it. That's it. like the twist in essence, the same as I feel with the village, is a good twist. Like in, like in the village, it gets you if you've it not been paying you. attention. I like M. Night. Yeah. And I like the idea in theory or on paper here, but it has to be like pulled off well. It has to be pulled off, man. It's not pulled off. It's not pulled off. She takes too long. The scenes uh, take too long. Too long when things are meant to be fast paced. There are people around. There are other slaves around. Why aren't they coming outside while you're fighting? The guy is yelling out loud. And then and then his friends come? Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. None of it makes sense. Especially all of the whole ending, the whole last half. None of it makes sense. It drove me nuts. Anyways, that is enough. We don't need to spend uh, any more time on this shitty movie. It is a bad movie. And it's not even the room bad. It's just a bad movie. Like, yeah, not fun. Like, just mediocre it's bad. It's not fun to watch. It's, don't make it about racism if you can't fucking pull it off. You know what I'm saying? Fuck. Aggravating. Take my black card. Shit sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Shit fucking sucks. <laughs> Man, it's going to be weird going from that to wherever next (laughs) (laughs) the news (laughs) we don't have a lot of time to talk about the news which sucks because you know last week was the newsiest week of 2020 right stuff still kept happening though i i can just i can sign in to like one bit of the news with a bit of my own story from this week um i pre-ordered an xbox series x one of one of the lucky few right here 
one of the lucky few. Has it only been a week since we talked about that? Well, I, I mean, like, the yeah. pre- the pre just went God. up last Friday. So, yeah, it's been over a week since we talked the big stuff. Holy shit. Um, and, yeah, we were unsure, but I... I went ahead and I pre-ordered from Amazon Japan an Xbox Series X and they sold out within 12 minutes in Japan. You, 12 minutes in Japan. Wow. But you got it before the 12 minutes, right? You don't have no back ordered. The 360 sold pretty okay, like GameCube levels of numbers, but like not that great. Um, But yeah, it seems like Microsoft are doing a really big push and... You know, stuff like Game Pass is hard to deny. Um, so tying this into the the stories, um, yeah, uh, just to answer Matt's question, actually. Um, no, Matt, I was getting refresh access errors for 10 minutes because so many people were trying to access the page on Amazon. And I had to keep refreshing, keep refreshing. And it was at about 10 minutes past 12 when I managed to get through, pre-order, hit the button, and then within two minutes after that, it sold out. Everybody I know in, in Kyoto or in Japan who's trying to order one, mostly Western people, couldn't get one. I think only one other person I knew was able to get one uh, pre-ordered from Amazon. I think it was super, uh, a couple from the Microsoft store, but they also sold out. What is going on? What is going next, on? Why do next things gen- constantly fucking get sold out? All the cameras sold out. All the graphics cards sold out. All the consoles, more cash. People out. got more money now. Not coronavirus. There's Man. more demand and lower supply. Mm. Oh but so to tie into the news story for this week, um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with my purchase after yesterday, which was when all of the Xbox Series X previews went live. IGN, Gamespot, oh. VentureBeat. Um, VentureBeat's one. Jeff Grubb was the best one. What we got. And so uh, what I was saying, to, so we were talking in the Discord with some of the fans, like, um, and they asked me why with Series X. And, and like, to be honest, personally, from my standpoint, is that both consoles are not next gen yet. Demon Souls, maybe we can see, but there remains to be seen any sort of next gen titles, right? And until we see the next God of War or Final Fantasy 16, et cetera, et cetera, I honestly think both consoles have to try and offer to the user what is the most optimal way to play current gen games right now you know your your cyberpunks your 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 uh your gears of war your witcher your whatever right what is the most optimal way to be playing those games in 4k instead of buying a 1x or a playstation pro on your big tvs because most people got 4k tvs now what is the most optimal way to be playing those games right and honestly 4k game pass with smart delivery so if i buy cyberpunk i can play it for free on my eventual uh xbox series x it's so hard to deny that right what you think it's going to be on there is it going to be on? so no cyberpunk seems to be not coming out day one on next gen um that might change yeah i don't know but um it's free it's so if, if i buy the you know the microsoft store version i think i get the smart delivery one i'm not sure um but no plans game pass is so hard to deny right i get i get all of those game pass games day one and i get games like so here we go backwards compatible games from game pass on series x at 60 frames in 4k 
it boosts the frame rate. How? What? Ah, that's weird. I get Sekiro in 60 frames on day one. <laughs> but that's not all. So the previews, I mean, so this is why the story is, is that the previews are that obviously a lot of backwards compatibility stuff get like massive bumps in so, what about performance. Um, I mean, that's a PlayStation game, so who knows? Oh, shit, it is. <laughs> but oh. games that are locked to 30, like Sekiro, get 60, like PC version. But it's the, the quick resume. Have you guys seen this? No. Oh, is it the same thing where you can pause and then play another game and then... You can pause right. and play another game, and you can stack six games running at the same we, time. We, we talked about this like like a year ago, didn't we? And you were like, I love this. I love this yeah. so much. It, what happened? Did, the Xbox One never did it? No, I th- so I think they did, but it was oh, it was one X, and it was re- like you could only do two games, and it was really slow and not uh, very well implemented. Gotcha. But according to the previews, it really works, and it's like good shit. Like eight seconds yeah. to get into another game you've been playing, and you don't have to pause it and save it and cl- and close it, and then open another game. And it's kind of insane. So the previews have been fairly yeah. like. But I, it's fairly, I think, is being an understanding. I, I've been very positive. Like, it's a using an SSD and the load times and the quick resume and the 4K native 60 frames. A lot of people are saying already that this is kind of what we should have got with the One X and like the PlayStation Pro. Like, we should have foregone, you know, that and we should have just jumped into what the PS5 and what the Xbox are going to be doing. This is not to say that they're next gen, though, right? So it goes yeah. back to my original point, which is how can you play the most optimal games? Uh, how can you optimally play next-gen games right now? And it seems like Series X is going to do that, especially from these previews. So I'm kind of chuffed that I managed to get a pre-order. I was, you know, gunning to have one of the two right now. And um, yeah, like I'm thinking when Cyberpunk comes out, I mean, Yakuza the 6 comes out day one as well. And I'm like, I want to play that in 4K on a big TV, working really fast and everything. And so I'm excited. I'm excited to see. Um, I'm amazed at how positive the previews were, considering there's no next-gen games. But I guess we'll wait for the reviews and see what happens. It it has an NVIDIA graphics card, right? In the Xbox? I know it has an AMD CPU. All of the previews kept talking about the SSD, like just saying the SSD is like a game changer, like a like a Be- like an absolute game changer. More about the hard drive this gen than the other. Because if it yeah. has the DLSS 2.0, the AI upraise uprising, then I mean you'd be able mm-hmm. to get 4K pretty easily all the time. I'm pretty sure that's what what they're doing anyway. Yeah, you should take a look at not really running in 4K, but it 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 looks like 4K. The two previews that were the most useful, I think, that covered a lot with the Digital Foundry one, of course, from a tech perspective, but also Venture Beats, uh, Mm. Jeff Grubb, his one breakdown of like different games and also like how it feels to have the console and stuff. I still think personally the console is kind of ugly. Um, I don't know until I hold it. I I think both of them are ugly. The Xbox Series S, the white tiny thing looks the nicest but yeah i'm intrigued and the previews have been very strong so we'll see only a month to go what the fuck man this thing has backwards compatibility going all the way back to the xbox 360 
No, all the way back to the Xbox. Oh, fuck. Well, now I guess I can play Jet Set Radio Future. Jeff Keighley was playing Blinks, <laughs> like the, the, advent, the, the time-traveling cat for the original Xbox on, on it. <laughs> Digital Foundry threw the Xbox 360 version of GTA 4 in there, and it doubled the frame rate to 60. And what I'm very curious... No PC has ever been able to do. <laughs> that's not true. What I'm curious is... It is. Um, the game is so poorly optimized. It is, but 10 years after it came out, I was playing some sick E&B shaders on it at 60 FPS, so take that. Um, what I'm really curious to see is if per-game compatibility is going to be like for these frame rate upgrades, because mm. that can break some frame-coded game logic and stuff. Uh, infamous example being Dark Souls 2, when you play it at 60 FPS, your weapons degrade faster. So I'm wondering if like... So that's why Microsoft have said, like, and they said, I think with the Xbox One backwards compatibility, is that it's like a slow release because they need to test rigorously every game to see what they break. And also, I think they're making partnerships with devs and they're like, hey, do you want to go back and improve your game? So it has... Except like ray tracing lighting or at least HDR and stuff like that. So whilst backwards compatibility is a thing, I think it's still selected titles because they want to keep rain on making sure that nothing like that Dark Souls 2 thing happens. Yeah, I'm wondering how differently a lot of these games are going to end up playing. Because uh, I, I, I like stuff like The Darkness was an early Xbox 360 title that still kind of pushed it pretty, pretty darn hard. Like that game is originally in a letterbox mode that um I think was locked to 60 at the time and it never got released on a other platform. Like there's and I'm real curious to see what some of these old things like like Red Dead Redemption 1 especially is something that I'd really like to take a look at at a higher resolution and a smoother frame rate to see how they made that stuff look so gosh dang good on 720p back in 2010. Yeah, I'm excited that I can play, you know, Sekiro 60 frames and also potentially skate <laughs> on the next gen console on November 10th. Wow, I mean, Digital Foundry, this is a good video. Like, this is a lot of games that he's testing. This is not mm. bad. 60 frames solid? Instead of it just being, like random like 40 here mm. 50 here. i think it, yeah it, it feels the way i felt when i bought a ps4 on launch day which is apart from kill zone which you know xbox doesn't have that next gen thing apart from kill zone there i had nba 2k 12 and i had assassin's creed 4 the pirate one black flag black flag that was it black flag yeah so you know they were cross-gen titles and they were on Xbox One and as well. Uh, so it feels like it's that. But like, how can I play these games better? How can I play them in 4K on that TV I bought in the summer in fucking huge 60 frames? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm mildly excited. I know I'll get more excited because, you know, nice shiny things come and everybody gets excited. But um, I'm happy that this, it seems like I'm getting more this time than I ever have on launch before. With the Switch, mm -hmm. maybe right, we got Breath of the Wild, but I get a, like there's a whole library of games immediately yeah. with Game Pass that I get to play that I'm excited about. But yeah, only time will tell. Yeah, this is 
Wow, that's not bad. 60 frames, man. Oh, 60 frames in Warzone? I I, I imagine so. <laughs> Probably <Yeah>. not. Probably <laughs> not. Um, <laughs> if well, Matt's PC can't reach 60 frames, then nothing can. Nothing can. Nothing can. That fucking game is... Oh, anyways. Oh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is a is a a day one release. Oh, Ooh. looks like I'll have to play that. Is it going to be on Xbox Game Pass? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I lost a lot of interest in that when I saw actual gameplay versus the sick pre-render movie trailer. I haven't seen it. What made you lose interest? Because it looks a lot like odyssey and i've played odyssey to oh death. no i don't want odyssey i don't want it i wonder when we're gonna see more of that uh hellblade sinwa's sacrifice sequel because of like the mm. next gen previews i've seen that's the one that i think hit me the hardest the facial mm. capture in the movie they made but it's it's a movie it's not gameplay so you don't really know oh my god it does look the same i'm sorry matt wow they made the trailer look so so different yeah they did it looks exactly the same (sighs) yeah so i was i was hoping that 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 might be a visual jump in in quality going from this gen to next gen but i i i suppose my next big dose of that might be with the demon souls remake so i mean i'm interested to see i think that's truly the only game that could possibly be next gen I, I like and even then when i look at it i'm like the ray tracing is pretty good but it's a it's a remake remake right it's a remake, remake. yeah it's, it's a yeah it's a full-on full-on remake yeah it, it looks like they kept the the st- a little bit of the stiffness though there's a little bit of the stiffness right i, I do I, it feels like a dark souls game just with prettier graphics i imagine i, I don't want to call it until it's in my hands it looks good though it does look good and in the the gameplay demo, there's there's a few spots where you see your character teleport in and out of different poses with no interpolation. But I don't want to worry about that. Yeah, it looks it looks like Demon Souls. Like this is this is the 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 Dark Souls I actually beat. <laughs> this is the one I actually got through. The only Dark Souls you beat wasn't a Dark Souls game. It wasn't a Dark Souls game, man. I wonder when I'm gonna get too old to beat Bloodborne. My reflexes are going to keep diminishing to the point where I can't play my favorite one of those games anymore. I don't know. I I, I seriously don't think I'm a gamer because I, I just can't, I just never have the juice to finish any of the Dark Souls. I just don't. It just doesn't grab <laughs> me enough. I play hours and I just stop. I just stop. I, honest, honestly, if Demon Souls looks good and comes out and I might I might replay that there is a playstation 5 i can find i will buy it <laughs> oh that's right it's not gonna it's not gonna it's gonna be an exclusive it's not gonna come off of pc it's exclusive to it's exclusive to playstation oh, 5 come on guys please i want the digital version of the ps5 i do not believe that it'll come to pc as well yeah eventually oh, oh, wait sorry well, then that means it's not exclusive yes it, it definitely will come to pc because oh, nobody okay. makes marketing materials uh without the information <laughs> That was just a big... Yeah, that, uh, they, oh, they officially the, oh, yeah, made the mistake the okay. announcement, yeah. right? That's a big uh, bait and switch. Because um, why would you be like, uh, uh, you can play our games on uh, other platforms? Yeah. Okay, then. I'll play it on other platforms. Thank you for telling me, Sony. It's going to be interesting. 
the Epic versus Apple lawsuit got its first big step forward update, I think, yesterday. Mm. Uh, and it's a bit of a hit on Epic's side. The judge has decided that they're going to put it up to a jury instead of uh, having a, a bench trial instead saying that the opinions of ordinary people are probably going to matter more than these tech-savvy industry insiders. Ordinary people. Quote, it's important to understand what real people think. Do these security issues concern people or not? Um, the judge was being kind of critical, kind of admonishing Epic's decision to deliberately break the Apple Store rules. They pushed the some deadlines back to the point where the trial is going to be happening in July of next year. And what I thought was really, really funny is that we're reaching a point in history now where these crusty old judges are actually kind of video game savvy. Mm. Judge Gonzalez Rogers here is a 55 year old woman, and yet she knows her shit. She was highlighting the oddity of Epic's arguments comparing a smartphone to a video game console due to size reasons by referencing the existence of the Nintendo Switch. Quote, I think this is going to be a fascinating trial. Walled gardens have existed for decades. Nintendo has had a walled garden. Sony has had a walled garden. Microsoft has had a walled garden. In this particular industry, what Apple is doing is not much different. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's gonna take a she while. She must have played D and D back in the day, man. Yeah. Right? She must have been a, a paladin or something. She was. She was Ranger. born in in the late late sixties. Very very edge edge with like a Gen Xer. So I'm I'm really I I'm a little happy at least I think about about this ruling that that the early stages of this are in the hands of someone who seems to she's not a, a 76 year old tax dodging millionaire who <laughs> made a montage of violent video games to justify fear and panic among a population she's trying to divide for her own uh, purposes <laughs> no references there none none whatsoever I'm still shell-shocked from being a YouTuber for 10 years and getting shitloads of hate on various days, depending on what sort of subtle uh, uh, names I, I throw in there. But yeah, yeah. Wait, what? When I did my 2016 year in review video, yeah. which was the last year in review video, I decided to begin it by mentioning how shitty things were going to be looking based on some Trump quotes from a televised debate in which he was talking about evading taxes and also the uh, All Access Hollywood tape where he was talking about how when when you're a star, women let you grab them grab by the, the pussy. pussy. And uh, <laughs> boy, oh boy, did, did a bunch of alt-right edgelords really, really, really take take uh the, the the torches to the comment sections on that one man fuck them yeah wait he you know i i'm not surprised i was gonna say he did he really say that but i was like you know what i'm not surprised because i've seen that man say so many things so many things man like i literally like i would go and i will watch a press conference and i'm like oh Okay, I Yo, need to stop. I need to stop getting more and more information about Trump. 
for <laughs> yeah what, what i always say to people who like use the argument that the media is manipulating his no. messages is to just go see just his messages it. by just themselves without the media like try to sit through a 90 minute long trunk press conference with no editing no commentary try to scroll down his twitter with no editing or commentary it's all fucking awful it's pretty bad it's pretty bad Anyways, 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 I, yeah, I, I well. dived into George's, <laughs> George's Trump talk. Uh, just, uh, let, let to do some listener questions, fan yes, interactions. Yes, oh, yeah. how, how, how not wrong could that go? Yeah. We're, we're a little skimpy on email questions. If you would like to buff us up in that regard, send them off to dad and sons podcast at gmail.com. Uh, until then we have some, uh, Patreon Discord questions to go through as well, but I'm going to start us off with a really good inbox question. Dan K says, hey, dad and sons, what's your favorite minor aesthetic touches in games? For example, I really enjoy games like Bully or more recently Death Stranding, where you have a safe house that gradually fills with items and tokens as you progress. Another favorite is how in Civ 6, each Civ has a culturally representative theme song that will start playing in your game after you meet them. What are your favorites and how do they contribute to your enjoyment of the game as a whole? Definitely musical motifs for different areas of games. Easily. I mean, that's not aesthetic, but it is pleasing. Um, and is a nice touch. Um, Counts as aesthetic. I like, like, for example, when you are in different places in a game like Zelda, and you have very iconic music in uh, different areas, especially in Breath of the Wild, where it's very slight, and it's different variations of the motif. I really like when games have big osts i want to say undertale is probably a really good classic example now of like like you have a theme everybody knows and then you edit upon that theme depending on the character and you change it to fit around the personality (laughs) or the area of the game and all that kind of stuff and i think Mm. i really i really like that i'm a big fan of music and video games so whenever they adjust it for the world to give it more character i think that is one of mine no one talks about it for some reason, but Crisis does a damn good job of that. Crisis has a main theme that it catches throughout the the whole game that it changes depending on the combat encounters, but it does so much to make the game's aesthetics feel uh, directed. There's, there's coherency behind it all. There's um, a, a definite mood that the whole game has that that theme carries throughout it. Yeah, it's 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 in my head, the, the Crisis 1 theme. I might want to go back and play Crisis OG soon. Don't know about this remaster that just came out, though. What about you, Matt? What a... All I can think about now is the, the jingles you hear in Tokyo when you're taking the train. Yeah, so there you go, right? Like, combinis as well, like, different combini jingles. Like, I think character through music or limo like you know light motifs and stuff is makes games really strong and that's why you know we have very specifically special video game composers who nail that like we we were talking before we even started like about the hades music right and we were saying that that title screen dun 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 dun, is like it rings so like in your ears and you're like i'm in I'm in the you know yeah. underworld. I'm in Hades, like yeah, and um, and they carry that theme through the whole. You you hear that jingle and yeah, you music hear it. And stuff. You hear it in different like you know variations to match when whatever the surroundings are. It's very good. Um, character through music is definitely one of mine. What about you guys? Anything aesthetic, like you know, visually? I'm gonna talk about menus again. Uh, speaking of remasters and remakes that just came out, Mafia 1 had a fairly well-reviewed remake that just came out. 
And that reminded me that that game's main menu is sexy. Oh, it's so good. I <laughs> I adore it when a menu is like a desk or something. Or or like the paperwork files in Goldeneye that you flip through. When the menu represents something teleological inside mm. the game's world, it does so much to help my brain in particular, more so than other people, I think, uh, get immersed in in the game. Like if I'm playing a medieval RPG, I want the journal to look like a papyrus paperwork with with inked handwritten instructions if i'm playing a, a historical period piece i want to shuffle through some some analog paperwork with no electronics lying around it really uh bums me out when i see a, a game have great menus have a sequel that forgets about great menus like uh well well designed menus do a lot to to push my immersion level up to the next next notch menus when done right, I mean, it goes for all UX, right? Like when done right, you don't notice, but some stick in your head, like transitions in menus are for me, the big thing, like let's take persona games, right? Those menus and those transitions. Ah, that's the good shit. Um, so transitions are, are excellent as well. Like if the inventory looks like the backpack they're carrying, I'm I'm all about that stuff. What stands out to you, Matt? Yeah, I, I was trying to think of this game. There's just um, there's a couple games that do this, but I like a game when the hub world that you're in changes based on what you what you do in the game, or if you're um, either the choices you make or the things that you gather. Um, and I guess like the, the I guess it's kind of like the safe house, but there's like uh there's ones where like the whole town will change. Like things like uh like for Bastion. instance, people will move into your town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love when you go out and you meet people and you bring them back to the town. It's kind of like blasphemous and, and death scam is the same thing. And then like so every time you come back to the hub world, there's actually something new to see. You know, there's always someone new to talk to or, or, or buy something from. I always like that kind of thing. Because if you have to backtrack through the home world, you want to make it interesting. And that's Gambit. There's, you go out and you find people and you bring them back and you get to learn like additional yeah. abilities yeah. from those Dark, people. Dark Souls does a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's cool. And some of them actually die and there's like a murder mystery going on there. Like it, it's, it's, there's there's a lot going on. I love like having this like background story for like a hub world going on, you know, not just like collectibles, but actual things going on. I, I kind of like that because it, it it could just be a whatever like Ori uh, the sec- the the will of the wisps in Ori did that too, where there's like people would come back. Hollow Knight has that going on as well some like good character building like like you you, oh yeah you're like i remember where i found you and i helped you out it feels player driven oh my god how nice like like this this resident of the town is someone that you made i did that how nice is truly truly masterful (laughs) i like when they have their sort of own routines i i am a little a bit more wary when you meet a character and then they they fill a slot in an area you know like there's the blacksmith, right? And you knew he was always going to be there and you were going to meet him at some point and he just sits there or like 
there's the crafter and like they yeah. you end up having like this round circle of the same people just you know you just fill the slots in instead of this like town where people revolve around a little bit saving people in dead rising uh in the store mm, mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. safe room so yeah that was that was pretty good example of that um yeah and how that changes stuff yeah you yeah. you know how hard the struggle was to get their ai to follow you through the crowd to safety <laughs> Oh, that sounds horrible. Oh, uh, we we speaking of persona, we got a Liam question for you. Oh, okay. Uh, Alex S says, "Hey, Dad and Sons, love Persona Five and Royal P Five. Royal got me through lockdown in Scotland while off work. I've gone back and enjoyed P Four Golden. Is Persona Three portable worth playing? Because I don't want to play hundreds of pounds for a PS Two copy of Persona Three on eBay. Uh, first off, I think Matt's more the Persona guy these days. Um, really? But- yeah, Matt's Matt's like full on five and four. Like he he, he knows. I, I didn't um, I didn't finish five, but I did get like forty hours in because mm. until it exploded, my my hard drive exploded. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not playing that again. I'll play Royal later. <laughs> um, three is my own personal favorite. I love three. It's the first one I played. I love it so dearly. I, I'm gonna interject slightly while I say this, George. Go pee. I, I think I can hold it. I think I can hold it. We're we're almost at the finish line uh, here. My superpower uh, of knowing when George needs to pee, which is super easy to tell. The portable is just a port, it seems. It's, I'm looking it, it up it's now. It's a port on yeah. the PSP. So yeah. um, it uses a weird control scheme. Like you basically like hover a mouse almost over like control points and then the character walks between those points or so just automatically transitions between doors. It is faster. It misses a little bit, but I think it's totally worth playing if you want to experience Persona 3. If you can, you know, you can play it on the PlayStation Vita or yeah. the PlayStation 3. So totally give it a shot. Persona 3 is my own personal favorite. It has a fucking amazing soundtrack. It has a, a dark storyline. Um, I really like everything about it. It was my introduction to the Persona series, and it holds a very special place in my heart. It's the same kind of grind towards the end as P4 and P5 are. Um, it's not as stylish maybe as five and it has a darker cast of characters that are maybe mm. not as fun as four but i personally really really like three i mean literally they shoot themselves in the head uh, this is the persona i start started with actually yeah yeah me too yeah yeah, yeah. so persona three invoker to the head you know get that persona i um and i like the personas i go back and play it too i like the general personas in three a bit more like the starting personas um mm-hmm. But it's a it's a great game. It's a good uh, JRPG. If you totally want to give it a shot, give it a shot. I think portable is not a bad version to do. It says Go it's ahead. on PlayStation TV, so maybe you can get it on the PS4 if you got a PS4. Maybe I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how that PlayStation. I think TV all you works. need is a PS3 controller and the PS TV, and you can just HDMI that shit up, and then it works. So if you got hold of one, PlayStation TV is a thing. It's like a, a box. It was literally a PlayStation Vita, but in a box. So you could plug it. And you know you can play Persona 4 Golden. Yeah. It was basically a PlayStation Vita you can plug into a TV. It's $500 because it's discontinued. Whoa. Oh, right. That's why. Because when it was about to go off sale, it was literally $10. Uh, I don't know where I heard this or why I know it, but uh, I might have a hunk, an inkling of a of a of a thought that uh, PSP emulation is pretty good these days. Yeah, 
Yeah, you uh, can maybe. just emulate it on your on your computer. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you'd be able to find a way to play it. And yes, if you're interested in playing, it, you should definitely check it out because Persona Three is totally worth playing. And and the thing about emulation is that you can up-res it as well. Uh, there's a lot of good up-resing tools now. So mm. and you can probably mod it. But it, but it's always nice to play it on the original platform. So I can understand that. You know, it's always pick up a PlayStation One, con- PlayStation Two controller, and I played Persona Three my first month of university, September of two thousand and nine, on yeah. a PS Two because it's all I had. I had no internet, nothing from home. I just had a PS Two, and mm. had Persona Three. And I woke up every morning, had a rooibos tea and some toast, and played Persona Three <laughs> for most of the day until my lecture started. Man, it was a dude. good fucking time, and that's why Close Enough is a really hard watch because I'm 30 now and I can't do that anymore. <laughs> man, the old days, man. Responsibilities were real low. They were real, real low. low. All I had to do was fucking level up my personas. So speaking of the good old days, uh, last but not least is a Gorg question about the bicycle tour I did in 2011. Dario, which rhymes with Mario, asks, Dear Dads, love your show, listen to it at work, and I'm slowly listening through it in reverse order. You're the number one podcast in my heart. Thanks, Dario. You're the number one listener question of the week in my heart. Uh, this is my listener question for Gorg. I've heard you mention that you were robbed on your cross-country bike ride. Can you tell us the story of that and or any other misadventures that happened? Yeah, it's a funny story. So like the moral of that bike trip, and I will totally admit that a lot of this might have been up to luck and privilege, was that it really restored my faith in humankind. Despite getting robbed, despite running into like, like shitty racist people every now and then, it was like a hard lesson that, wow, 98% of the people out there in the world are actually pretty normal and all right. It's just the 2%. When I got robbed, I was quite pleasantly surprised at how easy of a, of a process it was. I just kind of went to bed and woke up and my bike wasn't there. They ne- I never heard or saw them. It's like reverse Santa Claus. And also, I don't even know how like, much i was blaming myself or yeah how much i i really felt guilty or bad about it because that was also the one and only day of all 56 days that 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 took i think it was 53 come to think of it that was the one day i did not lock it down the one and only day i did not lock my bike down on a picnic table in the park i was camping in by a lake was the day where i woke up the next morning and my bike was not there i'm guessing what they must have done where where was this it was at a park in texas at a lake and it was a pretty crowded populated one so i thought i'd be good but i guess at night that place really really empties out um you were allowed to camp there if you didn't have a big group i'm guessing what they must have done is parked a truck far away enough where i couldn't hear it and they uh just walked up silently, picked it right off off the picnic table I had it leaned on in, and then carried it away without me noticing a bit. Mm. Also, you know, when you bike 10 hours a day, you go you go to sleep. Like, that is, that is the best yeah. sleep I've ever had in my life, and I don't know if I'll ever sleep as hard as I did, so they probably would not have woken me up anyway. But yeah, um, I did get robbed by, by the 2% of bastards that are out there, and even then, it was pretty pretty consequence free and easy uh first thing i did was call the police who just kind of drove around the park in a circle and said nope we didn't see your bike anywhere tough luck buddy bye 
He then dickheads. Right. They're supposed. I heard that they're supposed to give you rides for free if you're in a pinch. And I was maybe 20 miles out of uh, the city, College Park, Texas. Jesus. I had to call a very expensive taxi ride to get back into the town, walk to the bike shop, buy a new bike while carrying like 50 pounds of bags on my arms and spent about $700 that I wasn't able to pay back until the following year, but I still got it done. I still kept going and I did not let that stop me or bum me out that much because if you're ever going to get robbed, that's a hell of a lot better than Matt's situation went. <laughs> Two dudes coming in. Oh, we're going to take everything. We're going to take everything. <laughs> I, I was not hiding in the closet fearing for my life. If, it's it's like that's how I want to die. Just go to bed and and wake up and that's it. Like like I I did not know I was getting robbed. There was no fear at any part of the process. Even when I walked out of the tent, like I was in the outdoors and could see there was no one around for for sixty feet in every direction. So I wasn't worried they were still stalking me or anything. I uh, uh of all the ways I could have gotten robbed, that was that was. Definitely oh, one of yeah. one of the better ways that could happen. Okay, so now I think I can go to the bathroom. Oh, and with that, <laughs> this week's episode comes to an end. Does it? I believe so. I think I got another hour in me. 